everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teeth Matter. This is your host, Ellie Halabian, DDS, and in this episode, we've got Stephen Liu. Dr. Stephen Liu is our favorite Fresno dentist. He's been in public health, very similar to myself, and recently transitioned into private practice. Listen to our conversation about what it means to work in public health. What can you expect? Are you a good candidate after residency, after dental school? And what it's like to transition into private practice. Good morning, Stephen Liu. Dr. Stephen Liu. It's so nice to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ellie. Appreciate it. Of course, I'm so excited. You and I have been talking on Instagram quite a bit recently, and we're I think kind of in the same place where I'm just maybe a, a little bit behind you, but I feel like we are gravitating in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And I think today we're going to have a lot to talk about. So I know your story a little bit, but the followers don't know. So if you mm-hmm. can tell us a little bit about yourself, where you did your training when you graduated and where are you now? Sounds good. Um, yeah, Ellie and I talked a little bit before this and on Instagram too, but I graduated in 2020 from University of Michigan. And then right after, I went to a FHC in uh, California, in Central Valley, Fresno specifically. Um, I was actually open to a lot of different practice environments. I applied to PDS, uh, corporate environment. I applied to private practices in uh, the Bay Area. And I put my um, resume on the health resource, the HRSA website, H-R-S-A, like health workforce connector and then the recruiter reached out to me there and then there it was a good salary it was good benefits so i was like okay you know let's let's do it it's a good place to learn um good place to get started and get paid um so after that i worked for three years with them um after the first year i applied for the 50k loan repayment with the state every state actually has it but the 50k one with california is pretty strict because I did apply for the 300k one in California, and I believe that program is the uh, biggest program out of all the states. Because 300k is a lot, and they get most of the money from the tobacco tax in California. Uh, it's mm-hmm. for physicians too. Um, I don't think a lot of people apply for it. So if anyone is interested in staying in California and doing public health, uh, that is a really good um, way to pay back your loans. But anyways. I wasn't able to accept it because I was already on the 50K one. And mm-hmm. I'm glad actually to be out. Uh, it was kind of stressful to be in FKHC, as Ellie and I have talked about. But we'll touch more about that as time goes on. Exactly. FQHC, a lot of people don't know what that is. You and I are both, right. I mean, have both started out in that kind of environment. Can you, and you mentioned something about loans. So can you just dive a little bit further into what that is? What is an FQHC? What are some benefits mm-hmm. of being in an FQHC? Yeah, a lot of our colleagues don't know what an FQHC is, and it wasn't even on their radar in right. terms of practice environments. Um, so FQHC is a federally qualified health center. It's usually a community health center. It's very similar to the ones you externed at as a dental student. And um, the environment is, I think it depends on uh, the clinic, but they take most insurances, mostly uh, Medicaid patients, and the way they make money is based off encounters. So 
if more patients show up, that's the tally of patients that um, they can get more pay for and on top of their insurance uh, payout. But uh, that creates a high volume. That creates like 20-plus patients a day. And where I was working, there wasn't a hygienist. They actually had hygienists before. Then they laid them off. So now we were doing, we were doing all the profis and SRPs. In terms of uh, loans and stuff, um, you can also, also do NHSC, but you have to apply for that while you're a student most of the time. And then you can get all of it paid for, or you can do the students, the student to scholar, the S2S, whatever it stands for, and get 120K uh, for three years. So, yeah, I have a lot of coworkers who did that or have the whole four-year scholarship. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I joined an FQHC was the benefits and also the fact that there was a salary. I mean, coming, I did residency. It doesn't sound like you did residency. You went straight mm-hmm. into work, right? Mm-hmm. I did residency, and I, I was, like, at the highest clinically. I felt like I grew so much in that one year, but I still felt like there was still a little bit of room. I was too f- afraid to take on the responsibility of private practice. And I, said, mm-hmm. I thought maybe I could get my reps in. I can do good. And then I also have a salary. And this way I don't have to worry about production. And I think that was one of the major reasons why I went into FQHC. But like you said, high volume. They go, they go based on numbers. Ultimately, it's still a business, right? Yeah. It's yeah. public health. Yeah. But the actual focus is business. So Mm -hmm. that's one of my, I guess, one of my frustrations with this work environment. Um, I don't know. What were some other obstacles you faced? Because, like I said, FQHC is supposed to be serving underserved populations, you know, kind of like filling in the gap of geography, lack of resources, education. But then when it comes to delivering optimal care I don't necessarily think that not that I'm not giving the best care I can but I don't think it is the best practice oh my gosh this is why we resonated on Instagram because that's what you just said was exactly how I felt because yes you have the ability to help these people but is it the best way like we mentioned um, having 20 patients a day and then there's people that walk in and they need help. They need. They have a swelling, and oh crap! Like that has to be taken out, or pulpectomy, or something. But right. you can't even take on every single like pulpectomy patient that walks through the door. Like it's not feasible. You don't have enough staff for it. It's going to stress you out mentally. And if also if you're stressed out, you're likely not uh, able to do things correctly. Um, so I think that is the frustration of being public health is that. You have you realize there's so many people that need help, and I think being a people pleaser as healthcare professionals, because at the end of the day, we want to help people, right? Mm-hmm. That's usually the first thing we think about when we even sign up for this profession, and it takes a toll on you mentally. That like, it's it's tough to balance everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely true. People pleasing was actually one of my. Uh, episodes uh, a few episodes back but we are people pleasers we can't oh yeah yeah, yeah. i listened to that episode (laughs) (laughs) amazing whoever has listened, you should listen to it too but um definitely Uh like people pleasing is part of our nature and like i get people who walk in because we are also still a walk-in clinic right so you Mm -hmm. have these people walk in and they're like emergency and we have to take on the emergency and the 
the system is so messed up because you have the 20 people, 20 patients a day. I'm double booked every half hour, you know, for procedures and like comprehensives. It's uh uh-huh, uh-huh. so every half hour slot, right, I'm right, right. Booked, okay. And then I have emergencies added onto that list. Dang, it's half hour slots, half hour slots for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it doesn't even matter <laughs> because the time slot doesn't even matter because it's still patience at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. Like it's yeah. 45 minute, 90, whatever. It's still a bunch of patients. Yeah. 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 And so I'm, I want to help everyone, but I realize like I can't, I'm not a superhero. Like I only have two hands, you know, and I right. only have this many number of assistants. We're relatively short staff. Like it burdens them too. Mm-hmm. They can't be there helping me and sterilizing and bringing in a new patient and taking x-rays. It just doesn't work. There's there's a big, big issue in this um, FQHC system that needs to be addressed, but that's out of our control. But it sounds like one of the reasons you left was the burnout, right? Is that what made your transition into private practice? Yeah. You know, I was telling myself, man, I would take any job and get paid less just get to just get out you know but then now now i'm missing the salary and now i'm missing the benefits but um i am more fulfilled now in other aspects of my uh, my career which is fulfillment uh learning and relationships with the patients Mm -hmm. and the team so i i I do really appreciate that but um i was going to touch upon a point that you said about um the system when you're seeing patients, for example, like doing your best work, right? Mm-hmm. Like patients come in and the best thing to do is probably a crown or whatever. Um, but that takes multiple t- appointments. And for example, if you're booked for a composite and it's a four surface composite, like, oh, man, like, are you going to spend the time and do etch bond and you don't have an assistant? to help you out so if you use the isolite so what do, what, do you, what do you opt for I have to opt for resin modified glass ionomer it's not the most um, strongest material it gets the job done and then you feel like you're not providing the absolute highest quality of work right mm-hmm. um, but that's how like I learned how to manage and cope with it that I like a middle ground be- between Providing the best work I can, balancing what I can give to the patient and my mental health and how the system runs, like how I fit into that system. Right. That's an issue, too. I mean, that's another thing, resources. And a lot of it, resources, like material-wise, we don't have a lot, number one. And number two, like patients can't afford it, even though we are a public health um, Mm -hmm. clinic and it's a sliding scale fee. Right, right, we have that too. Yeah, it's a sliding scale fee, meaning like depending on the patient's income, they fall into certain buckets, A, B, C, D, and based on that bucket, they get a certain discount. So that's supposed to help them kind of um, achieve certain care, right, or attain certain care. So if they wanted a crown and they can't afford it, they might be able to afford the $75. But then again, like, and where I'm located, they can't afford it. And so it ends up being a lot of patchwork. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm then I feel like I'm not doing the dentistry that I want to do. And I'm not doing good work because ultimately that patchwork is going to end up failing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I and totally so, agree. Yeah, so I don't see, I'm not seeing 
the results I want to see. I'm not completing as many cases I want to complete. And that's frustrating me as a professional now because now I'm in my first year of practice, true practice, mm-hmm. like outside of residency. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I want to build skill. I don't want to just do patchwork and then think like I'm a shitty dentist. Right. Oh, my God. I freaking resonate with you again. Like, even though like I'm pay- getting paid less now because I got switched from production when I first joined private. Um, and it was good. It was good, but we switched back to uh, daily guarantee, so mm-hmm. I can focus on uh, the the learning the protocols. Um, now it's less than FQHC. Um, is the system that you are in does it give you the opportunity to have the time to implement like a good workflow, right? Mm-hmm. The, like you said, resources and. Um, Sometimes cases don't get finished because when you're doing a root canal, you have to do step by step. Op- like at my clinic, they would split it up like so inefficiently. You mm. you open it up, bring them back. And then yeah. after that, you do do like canals, like uh, the shaping of the canals. The next time, mm. obturate. The next time, core. Next time, crown. Mm. Like how slow is that? Yeah. So you don't really get the workflow down. Like in in the real world, aka private practice or whatever. And, um, oh yeah, to touch on the fact, like, how you view yourself perspective-wise about, like, how you are as a dentist and reflection of the setting that you're in. And I did feel like, oh man, like, being in public health, I don't feel like I'm doing the best dentistry I can, and then I feel like a bad dentist. Like, you go to dental school, you learn these things, learn to recreate smiles give people like a whole, whole new uh, set of teeth but you you don't feel like you're doing that like you said you're doing you feel like you're doing patchwork that doesn't last and you're just like a you feel like a tooth mechanic yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so i resonate with that that's how i feel i feel like a tooth mechanic and now I want to learn how to do those smiles because like we said, we were talking about this offline. It was like we would see on Instagram that like a lot of our friends or maybe people who are a couple of years ahead of us are having, you know, work in private practice. They're creating these full mouth rehabs or doing these transformative dentistry. And it doesn't make me feel good because I'm not doing that today. I want yeah. to do that, but I'm not doing it today. Yes. And I also don't yes. know, don't feel like I have the knowledge or the experience to create that smile right now i want to get there so now that you are in private practice tell me a little bit about like what you're doing i know you do you share a lot of the work that you do like a lot Mm of redos and like a lot of different plays with material tell me a little bit about how you're changing you know the way you do dentistry oh that's a really good question um i think in public health I did work with other doctors, but we didn't really discuss like the way we do things. So I just really felt like I was just there alone and I was figuring things out by myself. So I would watch a lot of YouTube videos, CE videos. And then, well, the good thing about um, my FKHC was that you can order whatever you want within a reasonable budget, but you can order whatever you want. But that would probably take like a reasonable amount of time, 
however long it takes to ship, two or three weeks. But two or three weeks, I don't know, I kind of lose my motivation to implement the material by then, you know. But um, the change in my... Uh, okay, you asked the change in like the way I do things? Right, like the change in the, the way you do dentistry. Okay. I, I think the thing in private practice, from what I hear from my other friends too, is that you kind of follow that private practice's protocols. Even though when you go into private practice and you're treating like a different population of patients, you kind of are, I feel in a sense, more limited in how you practice dentistry because they want you to practice dentistry a certain way because they have been successful at it. And I totally agree with that mentality because you go join a, a successful private practice, there's a reason why they're successful and things work, their materials work. Um, so I learned from my boss slash mentor about how to do composites and that was like the learn, the hardest freaking thing to like get down. And every every dentist will agree that class twos are like the hardest thing to do. And what's even worse is that <laughs> we take bite wings after um, every class two and I've never done that. We never did that, mm-hmm. done that at school. We never done that for boards, which actually makes more sense to get licensed, right. right? But we don't do that. And visually, even if you have very high magnification, like you can see that it looks smooth. It feels smooth. And then you then you take an X-ray and, and there's like an overhang, but it's smooth into the it's smooth into the class too. Will it work? Yeah, but we just like practice like at a super high level so it just makes me feel bad and not making it perfect and it and uh my boss does it so easily and it that um transition was difficult to uh get that workflow down but um yeah i think that's the difference in dentistry from moving to fqhc to private practice um on how i do things differently now which is basically following what he does what my boss and mentor does it sounds like your boss is your mentor and you just said my boss mentor that's what he does and how he encourages mm-hmm. you to take x-rays afterwards did you were you, was he you sorry was he your mentor prior to you transitioning into private practice or did you like apply for a job and then he was like oh i'll provide mentorship how did that no happen? no i mean i was looking for jobs like as my loan repayment contract started closing getting closer and um going to these ce courses i would tell people hey i'm looking i'm looking to go to private uh, keep an eye out i was just like actively looking around while i was uh winding down and then i found his listing while i was still like months away i followed him on instagram saw his work and then when i was like about a month away from month or two away from leaving um i applied interviewed at two different places and then I got a good vibe from mm. my current boss because I felt like you just you know when you just click I yeah. knew that uh, um, it was a good vibe and that he would mentor me but he didn't like say specifically oh like in the listing like mentorship provided you know because mm. I don't know if that actually is true for those listings yeah. right um but I can tell that he's will, he loves to teach type of thing just from the conversation. So 
I just knew from a gut feeling that I would probably learn a lot here. And that was absolutely what happened. Um, but I think we're just talking to you. I feel like we're going, going through the same path. And I talked to some other dentists on YouTube too, that transitioned from FQHC to private. And, um, yeah, we need to build like a community of these people of us that switch, you know, because I think we have a really unique perspective. I mean, definitely need a support group. I, 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 think, <laughs> I really think it's necessary for my mental health because like yeah. going into work is such yeah. a, such a high anxiety. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Every Monday for me is just like, Oh no, I'm going to battle again. And yeah. And I don't want that to be my life. I'm doing this because I care for people, not because I want to resent people. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, when I worked in FQHC, I started seeing people differently. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point you made. Like, actually, the population is great uh, that I worked with, but I did start to see the world differently that, like, people just cared about themselves. And that was how I thought. Like, um, so. I, I had a therapist during my time, um, plus, you know, the benefits. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I don't have it now. I don't have a therapist now. But, um, yeah, it definitely changed my viewpoint of people. And you start going down a dark path. Um, it's just like the system really messes with your mind, the, the way it's set up and how you view yourself. It's definitely, I guess, on somewhat corrupt, for lack of a better word. But mm-hmm. for you, when you transitioned out, how did you do? How was your transition like? How did you prepare to say peace? You know, because yeah, most of most of these are contract based and they're like long term contracts. So how do yeah. you how do you leave a place like that? You know, I was was even sure if I wanted to go to private because um, mm-hmm. I did hear horror stories about private. Sometimes it sounds worse than FQHC, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody's personality as a as a boss or owner, employer is different. But um, during my FQHC, I would tackle as many difficult cases as I could. One, your patients do want you to do it. Um, and I would also request from my directors to block out my schedule if I'm going to do bigger cases. They don't really like allow it for like root canals because it's already like in the system but like yeah i wanted to do like aesthetic work for this patient from like 5 to 12 and then i asked them to block it out and they did but um i haven't really done too many of it so like i had to like redo the temps because it like broke off or something and then like i had to cut it off and like another time like and i didn't request it blocked off that time because one, I didn't expect it to happen, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I think a good way to approach the transition is to really use it as, like, another residency. I mean, you've been to residency before, but, like, to get the reps in of, like, what private practice work would be like. A lot of crowns, root canals, surgical extractions, um, composites right composites will always be the bread and butter of dentistry um and for our office since it's fee for service the composites basically make up a good good amount of like what comes through the door Mm -hmm. and then diagnosing for srp um stuff like that oh a really good tip is having a camera 
we had an intro oral camera, but like if if I went to a private practice that didn't, I was just going to Amazon and just like fill up each room or one room with it and just keep wiping it because it, what it's like a hundred bucks, but yeah. that has been like the single easiest way to convince patients of the dentistry that they need and they never see what it looks like up close but once they do they're like oh yeah that's clearly a cavity oh yeah that's clearly broken so that's so easy to like just like just just to present treatment um yeah and another thing i did to prepare was take arrowhead's new dental new dentist program for any new dentist graduating within like 10 years of graduation they provide four courses for I think six thousand dollars, and you get like sixty CE credits, which is like a crap ton for that amount of money. And it was about full mouth rehab. That's something I wanted to do, but right. I realized when I went to the course that it was the the most important thing I learned from it was patient communication and mm-hmm. and selling treatment to patients. I don't want to use the word sell, but we are selling. Right. an idea to the patient that they need something um but you they don't but they don't want it but you have to tell you basically teach them how to want the dentistry that they truly need for themselves to help them get to a better place in dental health um and another thing was learning about occlusion and when you're doing more like bigger cases it's important to understand that and even in composites like how the teeth come together and if you're doing it full quad and doing efficient dentistry that's really important to know so when i was in fqhc you know i was doing one composite at a time one tooth at a time didn't really think about occlusion or like mm-hmm. our patient base we probably see a lot of wear right? right and the first thing you see like oh i want to help these people otherwise it will get worse but you have absolutely no idea where to start you know and you could you know you could still do it in uh I know some dentists that do it in composite, and you can still treat it as a transitionary phase, and in FQHC it would technically work, right? You think about doing patchwork dentistry, that's going to fail. Well, how about we try and do FQHC uh, composite, like full mouth makeovers? That will probably help them more than what we do on a daily basis, right? So I think that's a good way to get our skills up in the meantime. Yeah, continuing education is really important. I feel that I I definitely need to find some good courses for occlusion, for facial aesthetics, in order to be able to actually survive in private practice, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Right, um, yeah. So I'm thinking about doing that. So I'll look into the courses you just mentioned. But yeah, yeah, maybe, I'll send it to you. I think it's like the single best investment. Like, even if I didn't get money back from it yet, it's just like the mindset from it. Uh, meeting other people and um, just just getting an idea of what it's like out there right yeah no I just went to a continuing education course back in June in Houston mm-hmm. and I met so many people like from all oh, awesome. different all different parts of the country actually some from Canada and some were like international and it was beautiful because everyone was on a different path and then I was like you know what Mm -hmm. Ellie you're not far behind everyone's like there's a 70 year old guy there and then there's me he's been in practice for X amount of years and I just started my first year so like if he's interested in this course and he's here to learn then clearly there's something that he's lacking in in his skill or in his practice 
And so, yeah. like, Ellie, you're, don't compare yourself because, you know, ultimately everyone is learning. It's still learning. So yeah. it was a bit of a relief, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think it's really hard for us not to compare. One, for what it takes to get into dental school, we have to be very competitive. So that's always with us for the rest of our lives, basically, to be competitive. And, you know, when you join Facebook groups about practice owners, guess what they're doing? They're comparing their practice to other people's practices, like the furniture, how it's set up, um, like the type of dentistry that's offered, and income. Like, everybody still compares. So I think for us, it's really important to just set step back i'm still learning to do that you know like every day i'm still learning to do that not to compare and just just uh see how far i've grown you know right. and it's but it's, it's hard to do it's hard to yeah. do are you how long have you been in private practice now three months felt three like a months. lifetime <laughs> wow congrats good three months is thank big. you thank uh, you i mean it took two months to get the composite like workflow down but yeah <laughs> i mean I've, I've been watching your work on instagram and i constantly message you like commenting or like replying it's, it, it's beautiful like the rework yeah. that you're doing whether it's it's you know it's it takes a lot of effort and it's frustrating you know it's very like it's it's harder to do than uh some other things like putting the matrix band on is has got to be the hardest part like it I looks closed part. and you take an x-ray <laughs> and you're yeah, like my thumbs are not that strong. Like you think you're 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 good with your hands until you try to do that, and you like the, your loops start flying up when you're trying to do direct, direct vision, and you're just so freaking annoyed. But yeah, just like yesterday, like I had uh, like um, overflow, and you're like, "What? I thought it was closed." Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I look funny sometimes putting on the matrix, and I feel like my assistant might be judging me. Like, why can't she just put a simple matrix on? But it's not easy. Just like doing, doing, doing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not not easy. It's not. It's not easy. But um, I love watching your stories. I love watching you do your work and sharing it. It's just, it's beautiful, and it shows me that like there's room for growth. You know. Thank you. uh, That means so much to me, really. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know. I think like, oh, you know, I didn't really like do it that well or like it could be better. But, you know, you know, hearing other people say that and um, looking up to it and just seeing just seeing it as a inspiration, it means a lot to me. So thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And and when you explain to your patients like a redo that you might need to do, how do you find that conversation? Like it must be a little <laughs> bit difficult to, to have it because do you, sometimes you might feel like they lose trust in you. Oh, because, yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. But so how do you go about having that conversation with your patients? I mean, if they've lost trust, then I just absolutely just have to take it as a loss, you know? Mm-hmm. And it has happened. Obviously, when I first started, 15% of my patients that I've treated, because I've mm-hmm. counted the patients, have mm-hmm. gotten the sensitivity because I was doing the bonding wrong. So mm-hmm. guess what? They lose the, lose the trust because... Someone who has a thousand reviews on Facebook and they've never seen this guy before also looks young. And then the only time they have an issue is with the new guy. Right. Where they want to go back to the, the main dentist who has the name on the door, right? Yeah. 
So uh, what I tell them, well, I think I, I think my personality, I just act very confident, and I build rapport pretty well. Just you know, their shoes they're wearing, ask them what they're doing the weekend, what they're just find a commonality, and I think that's the best way to build trust. And I think that's a skill that can be learned and how to build rapport. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you do mess up, they can still trust you, but to a certain extent. Um, I, I think uh, after the second time, it can be a problem. <laughs> but I, I just tell them, I set them up, and I show them the x-rays, show them pictures, and I say that, okay, so not many people will do it our way where we check our um, bite, bite wings after restoration. But this gives us a chance to correct it right then and there instead of you know six months down the road at the checkup oh i i now notice something different and i'll do it then but um but now we can have the opportunity to intervene but obviously i'll be backed up in my schedule so i'll just say like hey you know you take it as a loss because it's loss of production and it's a time in the chair but i would want that that uh feeling fixed Mm -hmm. and um for myself, it was my, if it was my tooth, and plus, um, you just feel more satisfied with your work if you do yeah. get work. You know, it, absolutely. Even if it's just a composite, it just feels better to sleep at night. <laughs> you know, right? No, I hear so, you. So, that's what I tell them. I hear you. Yeah. So, tell me, for someone who is, you know, in public health and is like considering to make the transition to private practice. When would be like a good time to exit? When, like, is there anything that they should know beforehand that they should consider beforehand? It's a, you're not on the contract, so you can leave whenever, right? I am on a contract, but it's at will. Oh, okay. So you, because the, the state of New York, you can still leave whenever. Right. I think that's really, really good because you're not on a loan repayment contract. Because if you're on a loan repayment contract, you're stuck, essentially. And when you take days off, you have to make up for the time that you've lost. That's what I I had to do. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, depending on your contract. Yeah, yeah. So I think you can bounce whenever, whenever, which is great. I think you can start preparing now and start looking for jobs. And um, if you feel ready, then you can just make the jump. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes the grass is not always greener, you know. Um, there are my friends in public health still that have way less patients than both of us that, with mm-hmm. our experience, probably like 15. Probably paid less, though, because that's just how the business works. But you still have the benefits, and you still mm-hmm. have a stable income. And yeah. it's not always stable in private practice. Like, there are my friends in private practice that you... It looks like to the public, to patients, and to other dentists that, oh, wow, beautiful office, beautiful work, beautiful marketing, and they got everything set up. But Mm -hmm. in reality, they don't take as much home because it's unstable. If you don't know what you're going into, that is. uh, And they may sell, sell fake promises. And then you're in a situation where you're like, ah, oh, well, it could have been better just to stay a little bit more in public health while you find the right opportunity. That's what I would probably do, knowing what I know now for my mm-hmm. friends and myself, to 
stay in public health, use those PTO days to do working interviews, um, to figure out, and when you do working interviews, the most important thing is figuring out the schedule, if it's able to support you to make you super busy Mm -hmm. easily with new patients and uh, stuff like that and how treatment is distributed between associate doctors or owner and associate doctor and how that will work and how Mm -hmm. treatment planning will work how that will go from patient new patient and divvying out the procedure so yeah i really think like grass is not always greener so it's hard to find a good uh, situation, I believe, basically from what I hear online and with friends. So I, get, I think that's why people open up their own practices because they're just sick of bouncing around from private practice to private practice, part-time uh, associate gig from part-time associate gig. And you're like, man, if I put this much effort into like my own place that I'm building for myself. But then again, that's like more, more stress that are, like, if we're even ready for that's an, a whole another ball game. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I've thought, I've actually considered it. I've thought about it. Um, yeah. I've looked into it, and I, it, the thing is now that I've thought about the idea, the idea no longer scares me. So yeah, it could be something that I do in the future, not necessarily now. I think first clinically, I need to get myself in a position where I, I can be able to manage troubling moments with a patient. Like if something's not going well, and and then have you know also office drama or office issues and be able to manage both of them simultaneously before I can mm-hmm. go and open up an office because if I'm in an, if I open up an office and I'm working and then I'm having a stressful time with a temp let's say and then somebody comes in and knocks on my door and says yeah. like oh something just blew out or like this patient is an issue or we got to talk finances I'm gonna freak out because I'm already anxious I, sitting uh, me too <laughs> Me too. I, I'm in the exact same mentality as you. Like, I'm thinking, how the hell can I manage anything else if I'm worried about the temp? Yeah. Exactly. Or impression. Or impression right. and new patient. Right? Like, how am I supposed to run a practice and worry about, like, the overhead? You know? Right. Give yeah. props to business owners. It's not easy. It's not oh, easy. Oh, no. It's, it's a lot of work. It's not a, it's not a quick solution. But there is mm-hmm. more money in it, for sure. But it also takes hard work. I mean, and it, it takes time to build. So nothing yeah. is easy. I've realized that. Nothing is easy. Mm-hmm. Nothing comes easy. Everything requires time and effort. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just, you. Got, and this is what I was talking to with my friend um, on the last podcast with Ryan uh, Kulan. He said, we were talking about intentionality. Like we have to take intentional steps to mm-hmm. where we want to be. So like we have an idea of mm-hmm. the de- dentist you want to be. Take the steps and put yourself out there. You know that, man, this is so great. I love this conversation. Um, so about uh, intentional steps. Uh, I never did this before, but January 1st, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I made a uh, a vision board, and I watched some videos on it, and they were talking about making it, putting it on your phone, and then when you make the vision board, you want to take pictures that are kind of like realistic, not like stock photos, you know? Yeah. So that's what I did. You know, I, I have it right here. It's on my phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, it's finishing the mm-hmm. the loan and payment contract, um, working in a nice office or owning an office, house, mm-hmm. learning how to do full mouth rehabs, fitness right there, being happy, mm-hmm. talking to patients, you know, building good relationships, mm-hmm. and I think it's been a good reminder every day. That's what I'm striving for. It's, it seems so simple, 
and stupid in simplicity, but like it helps. It helps a lot. It It shows intentionality. Yeah, it's not stupid at all. I I personally haven't made a vision board. I've I've talked about it. I've thought about it. I just haven't sat down to make one. I do think ultimately, if you have a vision board, even it's even though it's so simple, like you said, and Uh so basic, it. Mm It's a constant reminder, and two, you take decisions, or you make decisions that open up doors to to those things. So, like you, you start gravitating towards things that will get you to those mm-hmm. images that you see. You know, right, right. So, because otherwise, it just seems so far away or so unattainable. Yeah, yeah, that's really good uh, point you made because. Um, each step as long as you're going the right direction yeah Yeah. i mean it's it might not be we don't know if it's the right direction but it's a direction and it's a direction that's going to bring you forward because you're not because ultimately if it's not that one then you take a side step and you go to the next thing and that eventually Mm -hmm. whether it's a straight path or if it's zigzag you're still going down this down the street and at the end of the street will be your fmr will be your happiness will be the house will be yeah you know your fitness and yeah 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 yeah. you're gonna get there (laughs) i promise yeah same same to you ellie same to you um it's just you know the scary thing about leaving dental school is that you don't have the structure anymore that your entire pre-dental and dental life had and you kind of have to the first time in our lives where it's like there isn't really a set path right you know that's that's a very good point i i realized this that everything up until dental school and finishing dental school was structured it was like a goal and we were actively Mm -hmm. achieving Mm -hmm. the next step milestone milestone milestone, check 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 graduate then it's like oh shit there's so much uncertainty like now i have to fight for my income like you know, even mm-hmm. though even though you graduate with a degree that's supposed to guarantee you financial security, it doesn't necessarily, and it depends mm-hmm. on where you live and how much like the saturation. And I mean, like living in New York is very expensive. To live a good life is even more right. expensive. So it's mm-hmm. like that fear of, and then the loans. I mean, you went to Michigan. I'm sure your loans are as heavy as mine. But like, it's it's scary because then you're like, oh, I don't want to not have money <laughs> or to be short of money, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think one thing to also be grateful for is we also live in the United States where we took out federal loans. I don't know if you did, but yeah. uh, being a U- U.S. citizen compared to like here in coworkers where they had to take private loans, that at the end of the day, we can always just work at an FQHC, a prison, VA, Indian Health Center, get our loans paid back, and get a good salary, and get benefits. So there's that public service loan forgiveness, right? At the end of the day, like if, if shit hits a fan, we can still do that. So, but I think most of us just envision something different of our lives, you know? So I think that's where the internal struggle is. But I think we're lucky as, uh, you know, American citizens as, as a millennials to have this like um, the struggle of figuring out who we are and who mm-hmm. we want to be. You know, yeah. I think our parents are thinking about survival, where like anything, anything is good. 
go for stability and we want to dream we want to achieve so I think that's a struggle we face that's true I 100% hear you I agree with that add in a layer of my parents being immigrants like Mm -hmm. even more yeah Yeah. for them it was like very easy it was black or white like you know and for us it's like but there there could be more to life (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly like isn't that what our parents came here for right so that we can have everything we would ever want Right. And to do whatever we would ever want. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully you and I get to where we want sooner rather than later. But mm-hmm. I'm really proud of you and the work that you've been doing. I've been following you. I've been watching your stories. I've been looking at your work and like the quality of it. And, I, and you know that. And, and I ask you for like <laughs> tips and, and you send me yeah, videos yeah, yeah, on yeah. what to do. And so I'm trying to, to, to follow you and I'm learning a lot from you. So thank you. Thank you awesome. for being so available and so, you know, responsive and so uh, motivating. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I think it's important to have have a big community and sharing and just everybody's here to, I think as someone else said, uh, everybody eats is a really good like, phrase or uh, mm-hmm. a comment on how, like, we, ju- we just need to share with yeah. everybody and we just feel better about ourselves and the community that we're in. Yeah. Speaking of sharing, if anybody wanted to connect with with you, where can they find you? What platforms are you on? Share your links. Uh, I have a website called dentistryofsteven.com, and then I have my Instagram, dentistryofsteven, and that's basically where I usually am at on Instagram. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. I, I'm keeping you on a beautiful Saturday. It's beautiful here in New York. I'm sure it's even more beautiful in California. So I want you to go enjoy your day, but thank you again for being with us. Thank you, Ellie. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know. Share, write a review, rate, comment, all of it. We're looking forward to hearing from you. We want to make this a community for you. Until next time, cheers.